Amen. Did you greet that person next to you, to your right and to your left? Did you, were you able to do that? Come on, make sure you do. Give a greeting to your right and to your left. Welcome to the house of the Lord today. Welcome to our worship celebration. Amen. It's good to see you here today. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to the beach later. <laughs> uh, look at the camera. And those who are at the beach, we see you. God bless you. You should be here. But <laughs> It is the summer, summer in New York. I'm so glad that you're here visiting with us. Those that are, I see some new faces and some familiar, some that we haven't seen for a while. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. There's a very special day. It's a special day because we're alive. How many people are alive here today? You never know. And here we are. Amen. I'd like to guide you today um, an exploration that I, of text that will help us to face the challenges of today. I want to talk about uh, the following theme. Good people fall, but they always get back up. Good people fall. Say good people with me. Good people fall, but they always get back up. And I want you to be prepared because I want you to write down some things. I know you can pick up the uh, service later on and watch it uh, from our either the Facebook uh, or the you streaming or on our website. But you might want to write some things down because I'm going to give you some things toward the end that you can apply right away. In fact, right today. When we get ready to leave the service in another four hours or so when we're ready to head on. No, no. I would never stand in the way of you in the beach. So, no, no. Um, but stay with me for a few moments. You know why this theme, I think, is important? Because everyone has a falling moment. Everyone. You're not exempt from the wonderful blessings and the wind blowing in the right direction and things lining up in your life. Right? That's going to happen. But every single one of us, starting from me, everyone here, we're going to go through situations that at some point or another, we're going to fall. At some point or another, we're going to stumble. And I, and, and I want to share with you, it isn't so much in the stumbling. You can't avoid the stumbling. But you can definitely today learn some strategies about getting back up. And that's what I want you to leave here today, that you will have some concrete things that you can put in place in your life to get back up because everyone, in fact, God's plan was for perfection. God's plan was for paradise, nirvana, whatever words you want to use. You look at how he created in the book of Genesis and how he prepared a garden and all of the things God had in mind. He created mankind with this ability to a free will to decide and make choices. And we know in scripture, we see it clearly how Adam's choice to disobey then really marked all of mankind from that point forward. But even in Adam's fall, God always initiated a plan of redemption, of getting back up. And I think too often we, we, we stumble and we fall and we stay down. And all I want to do today is to motivate you, first of all, to realize that stumbling moments are going to come. Mistakes are going to happen. They happen to everyone. But the key is not to stay down. I read an anonymous quote that says the following. It says, losers quit when they fail, but winners fail until they succeed. And that means keep going on and on. A very famous philosopher and theologian, Michael Jordan, the basketball player, he says the following. I failed over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. 
powerful, right? Then Les Brown said another quote that I like very much in my research for today. He says, when life knocks you down, try to land on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. That's so true. Try to land on your back. That's a different uh, thing. And then Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you may want to read some of her material about grieving and loss and all of that. But look at this quote that she has, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She says, the most beautiful people I've known are those who have known trials, struggles, loss, and have found their way out of, uh, out of the depths. And then this very weak philosopher that you may or may not know, which is me. This is the quote I want to give you today. It says, falling does not disqualify you, but staying down will. So we need to today garner the elements, the ingredients that we need to get back up. Everything from a failed marriage to losing out on a job opportunity to perhaps uh, not being able to achieve the milestones in life that family members and society has placed on us. Or maybe by our own uh, poor decisions and, 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 and uh, not popular choices that we've made, we're suffering the consequences of those, you do not need to stay down. You can get back up. Stay, uh, getting up is the key for us to be able to live a full life. Maybe the doctor gave you some bad information recently about your health. And perhaps, uh, again, there's downsizing going on, or perhaps maybe you're losing your apartment, or whatever it might be. Problems are going to come discouraging moments are going to be part of our uh, one of our companions through life and it will not end while we're alive but we need to have a strategy to get back up and that's what i want to encourage you to do today i'm using the book of proverbs proverbs is one of the poetic books of, of scripture along with psalms and it's a, a, a the, the way proverbs works for the people of israel is simply these are phrases and uh, uh, statements and declarations that they use to encourage them each other in, in different times of their journey. We do it in life today. We always have a cliche or, or something that we use. And Proverbs is one of those books that allows us to be able to read little uh, moral stories, little moral statements, little words of encouragement that will help us get through. But I want you to look at with me. And I'm reading from The Message, which is Eugene Peterson's interpretation of the text. Uh, so it's a, a vernacular that we can more easily understand. Proverbs 24 15 and 16, look at what it says through the message. It says, don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them. No matter how many times you trip them up, God, loyal people don't stay down long. <laughs> Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. Very powerful, right? The way Eugene Peterson interprets this for us. But one of the things that's highlighted from the text is the following. I want you to see there that it is talking about good people falling. Not about bad people falling. Or not about people reaping the consequences of their poor decisions. It's talking about good people. In fact, if you look at another rendition of the text and another version, it talks about just people. Faithful people. People that are walking the path of righteousness and faith before the Lord, they're going to fail. And I think that's important because e good, bad things even happen to good people. Uh, storms visits, visit everyone. And he's saying here that you need to keep an eye on those good people because they have a tendency to get back up. And those that uh, were working against them, they will find their demise. 
Now, let me just explain some things here because I think the text offers to us some warnings that we need to be aware of. And then I'm going to go to the points that I want to give to you about the strat excuse me, the strategy or the six sure steps for getting back up. And I'm going to do that in a moment. But look at this. In the text, if we read it and we study it very carefully, it gives us several warnings. Let me mention them to you. First of all, uh, we need to be aware that there are dangers in taking what doesn't belong to us. And sometimes we think it's just possessions. The other day I was uh, doing some shopping. I was at the counter and I paid for, so, for what I was buying. And then I, I never realized that as I'm making the transaction, the person before me had left their phone and had left their wallet uh, right in front of me there. And I don't think anybody knew, and, but I didn't go down this inclination. Oh, the Lord has blessed me. Let me see what's in here. I didn't even think that. In fact, don't ever think that. There are cameras everywhere. And they say there are no cameras in the bathrooms, but I don't know about that. I know here we don't. Oh, my camera's there. But what I did is I told a person, somebody left their wallet here. Why? That, does, that isn't mine. It doesn't belong to me. And oftentimes we just limit taking what doesn't belong to us to possessions. Somebody left something behind. Oh, their loss is my blessing. Their loss is my gain. We need to start changing our mentality. I'm going to get that to you in a moment. But it isn't just about possessions. It isn't just about that person leaving their cell phone and leaving their wallet there. Uh, we sometimes, we see people or know people that take credit when they didn't do anything to get that credit. Whether it's at work. Whether it's in projects that you're working in. Whether it's uh, uh, in situations that you find yourself in life. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. Uh, I learned so much of the uh, ways of life and even how to interpret theology really from my home life, from my parents. And my mom always used to say, always guard things that are not yours more than you would guard your own things. And church, we need to be careful that there is a danger in moving ahead and taking what doesn't belong to us, whether it's physical possessions, whether it's an idea, whether it's credit being handed out that you know you did not do anything to garner that credit, all of a sudden you're taking that credit we need to be careful there's a danger we set ourselves up for failure when we do that repeatedly i think there's another danger that sprouts out of the text that we've read and that is the, the danger of being envious of someone else and church I, that, that's a very taxing way to live when you're always trying to keep up with your neighbor or getting upset emotionally intellectually upset physically upset because someone else is blessed listen don't sweat it your blessing will come in due time rejoice when someone gets a new car when someone one of our singles is engaged to be married when uh, when somebody bought a new house when somebody moved can we rejoice in those kinds of situations there is a danger when we start to say why them and not me or we feel ourselves entitled or more deserving of god's favor over over our situations so we need to be careful of that, not to be envious, not to, not to want what others have gotten. Today is their turn and your, term, turn, uh, your time will come. And we need to be at a place where we're able to rejoice in the provisions of God over people around us. And not just people around us, but organizationally as well. God bless them and move on. It's too much work to want to be like somebody else. It's hard enough trying to be you and trying to be me. Come on. <laughs> You know, it's true. It's just too much work to be able to try and imitate someone that you will never be able to imitate. Why? My philosophy is very simple on, in this. God made the very best me that exists on this earth. 
God made the very best you that exists on this earth. So why not just flaunt it and live that life fully? So there needs to be a uh, there is a danger, a warning that is given here about being envious of others. There's another warning that sprouts from the text. And I'm not stretching. I'm just making some application here that I think will help us today. And that is the danger of being upset with the gifts and anointing of other people. Praise the Lord that they're good at what they do. You're good at doing something else. Amen. And, and oftentimes we feel that uh, that gift has been bestow bestowed on someone unfairly. That it should really be coming my way. That that door opened up for them, but it should have really opened up for me. And we, and we get jealous and we get upset and we get all emotional because someone else has moved on. In fact, we sometimes think that they just got here. What are they doing enjoying those blessings? They don't, they don't have the seniority I have. They haven't been through what I've been through. Uh, how can they be enjoying that benefit? We, we, we need to pull back, Lord, on our uh, 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 church, on our road to maturation, that uh, not to be upset. Let, let them, you know, they, they've got the anointment. They got, they've got the, the gifting. They've got the ability to be able to do that. And you've got the ability to do other things as well. I mean, you do. Yeah. Oftentimes, we, we, we see that in leadership where people see others moving forward and having opportunities. And right away, uh, we, we think that uh, that should be me. No, that should not be you. Just chill out and be settled in your own shoes or slippers or sandals or flip-flops, whatever it is that you have on right now. Just be settled in who you are and not get uh, overly uh, consumed by the way the Lord uses someone else or someone else's gifting blossoms to the top. And they're getting to places that you haven't been able to get. There is a danger, another danger, or another warning that's given in the text, in my opinion. And that is this danger on, uh, you need to be careful on people that walk in obedience. Be careful not to pick on people that walk in faith. Be careful with people that are righteous people. Because they don't need to protect themselves. God, come on protects them the text renders this very clearly and sometimes we think because we can articulate better we understand our theology better we get almost this elitist kind of a view that we think that um, uh, uh, that we can pick on those we've got to be careful god has a way of defending those that appear to be defenseless and sometimes it's better to fight with yourself and fight with someone else and not fight with god because when god defends he knows how to defend. We're living in a context this way. In our culture, oftentimes we, we discard people that are, are, are in advanced ages or perhaps are making mistakes because they're, they're just getting older and they don't react the way they used to react before. Our society says to discard them and put them in a nursing home and medicate them. Uh, but we need to be careful, church, that uh, those people were the ones that blessed you to the place where you are today. Uh, those folks are the ones that got you to a place. They deserve honor and recognition. And I think culturally we need to celebrate those that are... Uh, and please consider me. I'm going to be here when I'm 80 or 90 years old, drooling on the side of my face. Just medicate me and let me sit in the first row of there. Remember the way I helped you and blessed you and married you and counseled you and, and helped you get up. Come on, hallelujah. Maybe this is a self-serving point, but that's all right. Grant me some grace right now. <laughs> There's a danger and too often we pick on the wrong people. When they're walking as children of light, be careful. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a danger in picking on people that walk in, in their faithful obedience. 
There's a danger always also, and we're talking about falling down and getting back up. Watch this now. We need to be careful, church, and, and this is another warning that sprouts from the text, that when people fall, we don't become agents of keeping them down. It has been said that people of faith are the unique army that kills their own injured. We need to be careful, church, because everyone makes a mistake, and today it's them, and I hope not, but tomorrow it might be you. And oftentimes we see this elitist push moving forward that, see, they got what they deserve. No, because we didn't get what we deserved. If we got what we deserved, it would be eternal condemnation. But God so loved the world that he gave and allows us to be in relationship with God with someone else. And someone is making a mistake right now and someone has made a mistake or perhaps their life is, is being lived in a way that is not the life you would have lived today. But let's go back five years or ten years ago and see how you were jumping and hopping and skipping and hollering in a different way. We, we need to be careful that we don't become agents of keeping people down. In fact, the true essence of the gospel, listen to me, the true essence of the gospel is not about singing pretty. And about uh, being able to shout and being able to, to build huge uh, uh, facilities and having wonderful programming. The true essence of the gospel is restoration. The true essence of the gospel is preparing a platform for people to get back on their feet. That's the true essence of the gospel. And when they can, to be agents to help them get back on their feet. In fact, I started my commentary today with talking about God's creation, the book of Genesis, and, and Adam fell. But as soon as Adam was disobedient, didn't God the Father begin a plan of restoration for him? That has continued even through the ages up to this day. And church, we need to be careful and be, 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 be weary uh, uh, not to be an agent to keep people down. Yes, people make mistakes, just like you and I will. But let's not be elitist to think that they can't get back up. In fact, I'm going to go a little bit further. God is in the, in the business of fully restoring people. Fully. Listen to me closely. That means you were up here. You made a mistake, all of a sudden the people or the system or the structure will only allow you to be restored right here. No, God is in the business of full restoration. So no matter how horrible your sin, no matter how horrible the, 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 the failure, no matter how bad the fall has been, in due time God will allow for full restoration. Come on, you should say hallelujah or amen for that one. That's what God is about. And we as a church need to look at that because people will fail. We will fail. But there is a danger in keeping people down. But let me give you the six steps. Six steps about getting back up. If you apply this today, you're going to be in, in tremendous victory. You'll walk out of here uh, with a skip in your step. Amen. Six steps. The first one is, listen, number one, don't wallow in your injury. Don't wallow. The injury happened. Grow up, stop looking at the scar, and move forward. I told you a story years ago when I was in 1967. I was working in a grocery store on Madison Street. All the way down Madison Street in the market. It's not there any longer, but it was there. <laughs> it was there. And I was, working, I was making $5 a week, slicing salami, making sandwiches. Yeah, that was a lot. And my mother told me, $5 a week, you have to give 50 cents as tithes. That's how I learned how to tithe. I'm going to say it again. That's how I learned how to tithe. I'm going to say it again. That's how I learned how to tithe. 
And in the middle of slicing salami, I, I sliced my finger. I wasn't a good salami slicer. And so I sliced it all the way to the bone, all the way to the bone, straight clear to the bone. And I ran home. I was a little kid. I don't know how old I was. Anyway, I ran home. And I said, Mommy, Mommy, don't cry. She wasn't crying. I was the one crying. Don't cry. Don't get nervous. I was the one that was nervous. It was clear the bone. She took me to the hospital. They took stitches, right? It was horrible. It was, it was the worst. Exp- I, and of course, I'm, 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 uh, I'm magnifying it several times. It wasn't all that. But for me, oh, heart transplant. And the bone was, the, the, the cut went all the way to the bone, severed my nerve. In fact, I was supposed to go in for surgery. Till this day, that's 1967, till this day, this part of my finger here is completely numb. I have no feeling here. This is before I learned how to play the guitar, piano, organ, before I became the music minister here in this church. This is before. So even with your injury, God can still restore you fully. But I'm going somewhere with this. There has to come a point. Like right now, right now, I'm feeling the pain of the knife going through my finger. I'm feeling the discomfort. I almost want to put my hand and go, oh, put it in my pocket. Don't shake my hand because it's going to hurt me. Because I'm talking about it. Sometimes we need to stop talking about, they hurt me. They let me down. They try to destroy me. It happened. But number one, if you want to get back up, stop wallowing in the injury. Stop wallowing in my finger got cut. Stop wallowing in that they stopped me from moving forward. Stop wallowing in that they took my promotion. Stop wallowing that they took my future husband or wife. Stop wallowing that they took my apartment. Somebody dropped me down on the list. You know why? Because it's not helpful. Right now, pray for me. I feel pain. Because I'm talking about it. Stop talking about it. Stop uh, uh, Facebooking about it and, and texting people about it. it have, and sometimes things happen five, six years ago, and we, we live them daily. We get up thinking about it and go to bed thinking about it. We see the face of the person that hurt us. We see it in front of our faces all the time. That's going to deviate you from what God wants to do in your life, and it's going to stop you from getting back up. Come on, put your hands together as I clap offering for the Lord for a moment. <clears throat> Number two, so the first one is stop wallowing in the injury. Number two, resist the aimless blaming of others. They did it, it's over. Sometimes we blame people. In fact, we keep the person alive. They're long gone. They passed away. Somebody hurt you when you were three years old, four years old, or whatever. And they're, they're gone already. The teacher has gone on. Somebody in school said something that injured your emotions. And we're marked by it. And all of a sudden, we keep that thing alive. Resist the aimless blame. At the end of the day, own up to what you have. Own up to it. One of the things now that the, the White House staff is trying to convince our president is to stop making references to the previous administration. Right? That's what they're telling him. I think it's a wise counsel. We need to pray for our president. I pray for his heart almost every day. I really do. And pray, and, and, and they're trying to get them, to, because why? Every time you reference back, you stop moving forward. But wait, before we, you, we do the same thing. We're still referencing things that, somebody that broke your heart, you went out with somebody, you thought that was it, it was going to be a knight in shining armor, and you were a teenager, and you were madly in love, and boom, 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 and here you are today, a little bit older, but still living back then when you were 13. We need to stop blaming people. We need to own what we own and just move forward. Imagine if I got up here. I'm the fourth pastor of this church, right? And it's 60, 
five-year history. I'm the fourth pastor. Imagine if I stood here and every Sunday I'm talking about the mistakes that pastor number one made, pastor number two made, pastor number three made. You would stop coming. At the end of the day, you have to just own what you have and resist that endless cycle that gets you nowhere of blaming others for your plight. We need to move forward. You know, everything, even culturally, I, I, I have the wrong last name. I am the wrong color. No, you got to stop that. Stop that. Make your life. Grab a hold of what you have and get yourself going. Otherwise, you're just spending energy on, on, on talking and, and blaming situations that are not going to help you any longer. Just move forward. Just move forward. Number three. First one is don't wallow in the injury. Number two is resist the endless blaming of others. Listen. Number three is powerful too. Feed yourselves with images of our hopeful tomorrow. We are living, and I think we heard this in the prayer before, we are living in probably one of the most dangerous times in our world. I said a few weeks ago, and I want to repeat today because we need to pray. Uh, right now, we are closer to a nuclear war than we have been in anybody, most people living here, because you're too young to remember World War II and what happened. Huh? Except historically. We are closer to this morning, I just read, that North Korea has everything said, ready to go. And you've seen what this country is saying in defense. If you so much as there, the game is on, right? That's one of the, one of the generals said, game is on. We're living in a very per precarious time right now for nuclear war. This guy in Korea has the ability right now to not only hit Guam and territories nearby, but he's saying, and I don't want to test him on this, he's saying that he can even reach mainland United States all the way to New York. All the way to New York. And you say, he's crazy. There are a lot of crazies in this world right now. Right? We're living so close to one. I want you to keep that in mind because we need to pray. I believe, I believe, I haven't heard this repeated. Sometimes I think I'm, the, I'm so alone. I believe that this world is being covered by this demonic force of deception that even good people are saying that everything is all right. No, everything is not all right. I believe there's a cloud, there's a demon of deception that has been released from the pits of hell that is covering this entire world right now, this country. And people, what was wrong last year, all of a sudden we're accepting it as right. What was totally off, off the wall three days ago, all of a sudden is acceptable. I believe it. And not only politically and socially, culturally, economically, but also even theologically, even in the church. Even in people of faith, we're seeing it happen, right? But I refuse to say it's over. Because I serve a mighty God. And when there's darkness covering the land, there is a light that can penetrate that darkness. That's what I want to get to. So I know the way it is right now. Right now we see people. I was riding. I was yesterday out with a group of guys. We were riding. And when we're going through this beautiful countryside of Pennsylvania, I didn't even know that those locks for the Erie Canal were so close to us. It was just phenomenal. As we're riding through this countryside, I see all these wonderful American flags. And it was great. And then in the middle of all of that, there's this huge Confederate flag. Be, uh, moving in the air <clears throat> and I looked at it and I said let's get out of here right pull out and then two houses later there was a sign that says uh, no fee uh, we don't allow hatred in this neighborhood so they have their own battles I'm just saying to say the following that right now even with hatred rising up the way it is church it, it, it's, it's almost frightening I read this morning that now they're planning these uh, Nazi people and all that uh, 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 white supremacists and uh, nationalists are planning demonstrations here in New York City. I mean, this is real. This is real. So you could either lock yourself in your house and say, oh me, oh my, it's over. Or what I choose to do, I'm going to pour hope in my tomorrow. 
No, no, no. I'm not going to lock myself up, paralyze myself, and stop moving and, and start saying, oh, see, we got what we, what we voted for. No, 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 no. I refuse to go there. I say, I serve a mighty God and in the middle of darkness, in the middle of despair. My tomorrow is promising. I have granddaughters that I want them to inherit a promising tomorrow. There are young people, a new generation in this church that need to inherit a wonderful tomorrow. It is not over because we serve a mighty God. Come on, say hallelujah with me. And this is not just a religious thing about us getting enthusiastic. I really believe that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Remind me not to sing during the worship service. <coughs> I believe that tomorrow is a wonderful time for us. I believe that no matter what the doctor said, I'm not going to die for what the doctor said I'm going to die. There's a lot of living to do. Sorry. And we have to, we have to pour into our tomorrow and fill it with hope. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Fill it with hope. Fill it with hope. And feed yourself with images of a positive tomorrow, of a great tomorrow. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our thinking that tomorrow is not the end. It's a new beginning that God has in store for us. When we wake up in the morning, Lord, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to engage the possibilities for this day? That's what we need to do. It is not over. There's a future for our kids. There's a future for future generations that we need to be a part of and shape around that. Hallelujah. Number four. I'm going to say it two ways, number four. One of the things that we need to do for a positive, a positive strategy, I'm going to say it two ways. I'm going to say it the way I wrote it, and then I'm going to tell you the way I want you to apply it. Change how you talk to yourself. In other words, start having a productive conversation with you. And I know what you're saying. Crazy people do that. But you know you do that. Yes? Is there an amen now? So I'm just stating the obvious. You do it anyway. We all do it. We all do it. Catch ourselves in the elevator, driving the car. People on the outside think that you're speaking on a wireless, hands-free device inside your car. But you're really talking to yourself. But it isn't so much about the, but what are you saying to yourself? I never say to myself, I'm dumb. I never say to myself, I'm never going to make it. I never say to myself, it's over. I never say to myself, this is happening because of my ethnicity. I never say to myself that I can't. Look in the mirror. And I don't lie, but look in the mirror and say, not bad. Good. Look in the mirror. Throw some kisses at yourself. I'm giving you permission. Talk to yourself. You, you, you know, and I, I say this to myself and I say it to you so often. I'm the best me God has ever made. You're the best you God has ever made. Stop trying to imitate somebody else. You do a lousy impersonation of somebody else. Just be you. The redeemed you, not the old you. The redeemed you. Hallelujah. And settle into who you are. And stop talking about the potential that you have. And stop saying that you're too old, you're too messed up. In fact, other people will say that. You know, it's true. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. Oh, that's a wonderful dress, but you look kind of a... <laughs> say the first part, don't say the second part. That hair looks wonderful on you, but you, you, you've put on some mileage on there. You know, you, you've got some wrinkles. Don't say the second part. Other people that don't like you will say that, but don't say that about yourself. Get up there and say, I don't have too many wrinkles. There are not too many gray hairs. You're not lying to yourself. The world will fill you up with negativity about your own journey. Change how you talk to yourself. That will, in fact, we do a lot of projection. 
And the way you perceive yourself, you will project to others. Listen to me close. This is true. You will, there is an, uh, 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 an intrinsic part of us that exudes what's going on on the inside. So if you're always negative, if you're always a, a cup half full kind of person, whether verbally, intrinsically, or explicitly, you will exude what you are on the inside. Listen to me. You will exude that. So if you're constantly in a negative vein, and I think about this often with my grandkids, and certainly with my sons and my daughters, but my, my, my grandkids, I have to exude for them the, the possibilities of life. Not the ugliness of life. They're going to have enough time to discover the ugliness of life. The things that will sprout questions in them about humanity. And then when they're ready, and I've had conversations already with my, especially my older granddaughter. When she's ready, she will ask the questions and they will wrestle with them together. Yes. Wrestle with them together. And so you need to be careful. What you are on the inside, that's what you're going to. Imagine if I came up here every Sunday just oh, you know, I really don't want to be here today. I'm really tired of all the stuff that goes on in this place. I could put up with this side, but you? I'm all right with the earlier service, but the afternoon service, I don't know. <laughs> Imagine. You got to have in your core this level of, uh, of, uh, of possibilities. And I, and I want to I balance that. It has to be realistic possibilities, but possibilities <clears throat> nonetheless that will allow us to project forward. Change uh, the way you talk to yourself. Change the way you perceive yourself. Stop talking, uh, start talking in a positive vein. Exude that to others. The other day as I was walking, I went to get a cup of coffee over there in one of the uh, coffee places and I'm walking back. I saw the little kids coming out of the uh, many canter, right? They have several children's programming. And the little, little guys, the little, little guys, they're so little, little, little guys. They were little. They were very little, little, little guys. And they were well supervised, a teacher in the front, a teacher in the back, and an aide along the side. Then they walk around with this little rope. Maybe we should get a rope in this church. Because the kids are very obedient. Maybe, Pastor Will, we should get a rope. Walk with a rope. Get the church to walk with a rope. And the kids are walking. What did I do? I didn't know any of those kids. Maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe they're part of our church. Bless them. Lord, bless them. Look how beautiful they are. Let them have a happy day. Let them have fun. That they don't fall in the park and that the teachers watch over them and that they have a great, uh, that they sweat a lot, run a lot, keep their parents up at night. No, I didn't say that part. But have fun. Blessing other people. Watch what you declare. Your core will speak for you. Let that core be positive and about possibilities. Even when you fall down, think of yourself as someone that bounces back up. Number five. What did I say? Don't wallow on the injuries. Resist endless blaming of others. Feed yourself with images of, of a hopeful tomorrow. Change how you talk to yourself. Number five, make it a point to help someone else get up. When someone falls, don't watch them and say they got what they deserve or whatever. Don't walk away. Make it your business to help someone get up. You know it's true. I preached this, I think, two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I said something intrinsically in us, when we help somebody, it just feels good. 
even when they don't ask for it, even if you think they don't deserve it, whatever. But when you hold the door for someone, when you help them across the street, when you, when you do something for somebody, you just feel really good inside. You just feel really good. Uh, I was walking the other day. I had to go somewhere. I didn't want to take the train. I didn't want to take the car. The weather was nice, and I needed to walk. So I just walked over there. And on the way walking over there, this guy, uh, and what I did is I was walking over there, but I had a plan. And my plans are following. On this side, I, was gonna, I wanted to get some coffee on the way. You know, it's just something very New Yorky. You either have water or you have a cup of coffee. So I needed coffee. So I went. I said, I see myself walking over there with my, you know, my sw the swagger. You know, right? So I want to have that swagger. But I want to have a cup of coffee. Even if I don't drink it. So you ever carry the cup of coffee empty? This looks cool. Anyway, so I had, I put $5 in my pocket. Coffee is expensive. I had a $5 here. I said, I'll have $5. That way I don't have to go through my wallet because it is New York after all. Don't want to pull my wallet out. So $5 here. And I put a dollar here just in case somebody says, Mr. Mr., can you help me? Right? So $5 here, $1 here. I'm my swagger. So I'm walking. This guy came over. And I just sensed that I don't, you don't need to unpack this for me. I just, I sense the level of sincerity in this gentleman that came up. He had a, a crutch, and he's walking my way, and he looked pretty well put together, but, you know, it was early in the morning. He probably had some, I don't know, I just had this sense that this guy really needed some help, you know. He's walking over to me, and he says to me, Mr., and I looked to him, and he says, I'm a veteran, and I told him, you don't have to say anything else. You don't have to say anything else. And I was moved by him, so I put my hand where the coffee money was. John, you know. So the one was here and the five was here. Coffee, helping people. Coffee. I was telling myself, but I put my hand, I was too quick. Once he said veteran, it, took, it threw me off. So I said, you don't have to say any more, sir. I should have said, you shouldn't have to say any more. I put my left hand up. You don't have to say any more. Put my hand in. And I didn't realize it until now I took it. And you could do it in slow motion. I was like. And then I looked. I said, no. And then no sooner had I put it out there, his big veteran hand took it and it flew away. I said, and I wasn't going to do it. He's a veteran. I'm not, oh. <laughs> don't judge me the point I want to make is this I'm using that to get your attention it felt so good didn't have my coffee but it felt so good went in the wrong pocket but it felt so good the man thanked me and I just kept on walking right my point is church in that small story was to pull you back in there's something about helping people. And, and I'm not even talking about money. Just being able to help someone, you know, understand the application that they're filling out. It's in another language. Helping someone through a door. You see in the subway, a mom walks in or a senior citizen comes in. Don't let them stay standing. At least offer it. Even if they say no, offer the seat. It feels good. In fact, don't even offer it. Just get back up. Get up. Get up. Holding the door for someone. And you say, yeah, but people don't deserve it. What do we deserve? Well, and that's been a lesson to me. What do we deserve? Oh, they, need, they don't say thank you. How many times have things been offered and we don't say thank you? 
You know, so it isn't just money. It's in, in helping other individuals and in, in being a blessing and helping someone get back up and just helping individuals here in the church and people around us. Don't look at the new folks coming in as a, they just arrived or look at the way they are. It's their own choices. That's what, the, no. Can we be a vehicle to help someone? Can we be a, a networker? Maybe you can't, but you can help somebody by connecting them with the right person. I've said this here often, but every job I've had, I've been in this church since 1965. And every job I've had, I've drove, I drove an ambulance in the 70s. Uh, I worked in a warehouse back in, I don't know what year it was, back in Brooklyn, driving one of those high-low things, uh, unloading tractor trailers. I did that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and all the way, even the work that I had in Wall Street, every single job that I've had was somebody in the church says, I know somebody, just go see somebody else. Can we do that? Rather than we size up and say, oh, I don't know if I want to recommend. No, there's some people you can't recommend. I understand that. But my point here is be open to help someone else. When you're down, not when you're up. It's easy when you're up. It's easy when you're riding high. But when things aren't going so well, can we help someone? Then the sixth and the last one I want to mention to you right now. And that is, uh, and I learned this from my wife. I didn't learn this from scripture. Number six, I learned it from her. What am I supposed to learn from this situation? deconstruct the falling down dissect it and try to discover where am i to learn from this journey that i've just gone through i don't like wasted things even the trials i want to be able to garner a lesson and i believe in everything that we go through in life there are lessons to be learned and something was denied to you or you were bypassed by something, or, or the promotion didn't come your way, or the, or, or the timing is off, or whatever it is you were going to get. Uh, try to learn it. And I, I've learned the following, that every time I've gone through a storm, uh, the Lord's been dealing with my character, and my temperament, and my personality. That it isn't so much about the things that I can now hold on to, but rather the Lord is, is making me and reconstructing me, if you will. We need to get to a place where we, we strive to learn from the experience why why did i fall what what did i learn from my fall who did i hurt could i have handled it a little bit different and i think when we start going down these paths of discur- uh, 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 of dissecting these situations in our falls when we make mistakes we're only going to be stronger let me recapitulate real quickly don't wallow in the injury resist the aimless blaming of others three feed yourself with images of a hopeful tomorrow Four, change how you talk to yourself. Five, help someone else get back up. And six, learn from the experience. Let me close with a few scriptures that I think will help us. And with this we'll close and then we'll, I want you to listen to, a, I'm going to call you up to pray and we'll listen to Donnie McClurk and bless us through a song. But listen to these psalms. I have a couple of verses I want to show. A few, not a couple. Psalm 145, 14 says the following. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their load. Psalm 145, 14. Psalm 146, 8 says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. Psalm 118, 13. This is powerful. I'm going to have to read it a few times. Psalm 118, 13. He says, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me up. See, there's intention of knocking down. There's intention of keeping down. 
I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord, sometimes it's only the Lord. It isn't your godfather, godmother, compay, comadre, whatever it is, auntie, uncle. It's the Lord that comes in and rescues us. Psalm 118, 13. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says, We are pressed in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Look at what Ecclesiastes 4.9 says. Two people are better than one because they have a good reward for their hard work. If one falls, the other can help his friend get up. But how tragic it is for one who is all alone when he falls. Ecclesiastes 4. And then let me close it out with Micah 7.8. The prophet Micah says, Don't gloat over me, my enemies. <laughs> for though I fall... I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. That's powerful. Don't gloat over me, my enemies. Don't gloat over me. For I will fall. Though I fall, I will rise. And I want to encourage you today. You're going to get back up. You're going to get back up. You'll get back on your feet. It was a huge blow. You went back to the compulsive behaviors. You fell back on your old ways. Yes, absolutely right. No one else pushed you. It was you. But you will get back up. There was a horrible storm in your home. You will get back up. There was a, a, a powerful economic blast that hit you. You will get back up. Depression overwhelmed you, but you will get back up. Why? Because God is going to be your defense. Good people fall, but they always get back up. Up. 